we're going live. If you'll just check on your end to make sure. Yes, sir. Once we. I will. Gonna. Yes, we're live, and it sounds Gucci. Okay, everything sounds okay. Yes, it does. Good. (laughs) Man, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, (laughs) Just a tiny bit. Dude, there's been so much stuff going on. Um, Did you... Oh, I need to post the link for this. Copy... And there we go. Nice. Man, perfect timing, David. I know. I try. I, I mean, try. We're just, we're just in sync like that. <laughs> Hello, Matthew. Welcome. Hey, Jenna. It's been a while. Monroe Roger. Hello. Is this the comatose hour? <laughs> <laughs> it might be, man. <laughs> oh, man. How you been, man? Um, good. Uh, I, I, this is totally just random stuff, but like, oh goodness, what's wrong with the bottom of the screen now? Oh, it's because I, I forgot to move it back over. No, I fixed it. I fixed it. Um, so I ate like crap last week. Um, love you too, Jenna. Um, yeah, I just ate like a ton of crap last week. And it was kind of like a necessity just because of some of the stuff that we had going on at work. And um, Marion, North Carolina has exactly like three uh, fast food restaurants. And it just sucks that sometimes you have to, you know, eat garbage. Yeah. Um, So that was not great. Uh, But the week was like fine. I just I ate like crap all week and just kind of like committed to it you know what I mean where you're just like well I guess this is the kind of week that I'm gonna have um you remember when you were a kid and you're like Man, I can't wait to get older so I can just eat all the fast food oh I want. dude and, and we, now it just like, destroys I don't me want any fast food at all yeah uh it just makes me sick like it makes me sick to my stomach like I it, it's a desperation play typically for me yep. um and I uh so I'm like all right I was like it, it'll be a situation where I'm I'm super hungry I don't have a lot of options, you know, Chick-fil-A isn't an option, and so it's like, well, I guess I'll just get some breakfast from McDonald's or whatever, but when you do that, like, three days in a row, yep. it's just like, I I want to die. It adds up. Yeah, I, hate, I, I just, like, I don't like doing that, it's not typical, um, I do like me, I like some hibachi, yeah, 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 um, but yeah, so that, that kind of sucked, but... You know, got caught up on a ton of stuff. Uh, all of our podcast stuff is is up to date on the uh, the podcast side of things. Nice. Uh, so at this point, we're kind of just moving forward, and we'll kind of see how everything goes. Um, I've been editing. I, I it's like what I spend half my week doing now, um, and I'm not complaining about it. It's just it's a lot of work. Um, no, I hear you, man. So, I've been trying to find time to edit to put clips out. I was able to get three out last week, which I was thankful for. I was trying to get four or five up, and now I'm gonna try and get. I'm gonna try at least do two this week, 
If I can get the four, that'd be great because yeah. it's like a really my perfect number. If I could get to is five Monday through Friday or like Tuesday through Saturday, which just five, however it happens to be. Um, but specifically, if I can keep this schedule Monday through Friday, that'd be great. But it's just hard to takes a lot to, especially when you add in the subtitles and everything. So, and now I'm like, maybe I should just learn how to do Premiere Pro. Well, it is it's a rabbit hole, man. Um, yeah, I kind of noticed because I was like looking at it last week some, and yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna stick to Rush for right now. It's, I just wish the one thing I wish Rush would add is just an easy template for captions. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Well, uh, <laughs> to be fair, um, Premieres isn't much better. Okay. Um, it's better in some I just ways. Wish, like, even if I could create my own template and just have it saved, yeah, so I could just insert, 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 insert. <laughs> Um, but there, uh, there's I don't apps. Know if you saw they're doing the AI, uh, like Photoshop with Adobe, mm-hmm. the AI Rush, and everything, and that looks pretty interesting. Yeah. So I, so with Lightroom, uh, Adobe Lightroom, uh, when I'm editing photos, I I use it for um, uh, to get rid of the like grain in the photos. So typically, yeah. in really really like in dark photos with a lot of light. You'll get a lot of like grain in the background, and this softens up those areas. Um, and I, I've only done it with some of my drone stuff, but it it worked pretty well. Uh, the photos came out, and you know it's so funny um, that they call it AI because it's like it's just it's not that. No, it's not artificial intelligence. You, it's it's just a program. They they programmed it to be able to do that. It's it's not like you're sitting there talking to Photoshop and being like, hey, Photoshop, can you make this specific thing for me? And then it's like, yes, Joseph, I can da 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 You know what I mean? That's not... So it's it's ridiculous that they just keep... Algorithmic is a good word. Thank you, Matthew. Yep. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous that they keep calling it all this stuff. And then, like, it's, I, I'm sure you've heard some of those news stories where all of a sudden all these people are like, AI is going to kill us all! And I'm just like, y'all, what? Like... This isn't the we'll same thing. Yeah, this isn't Skynet. It, it may kill like, <laughs> us uh, through all these movies that are coming out oh, that brother, seem to be dude. made by AI. Uh, oh, that, yeah, that might uh, kill the, your brain cells. Yes. Um, maybe not any your more than amygdala. the Marvel writers, but, you know, you're not you're not totally wrong That's about true. that. Word on the, speaking um, of which, word on the street is that there's been a temporary agreement on the rider strike, so oh, okay. we'll see. Oh, uh, well, more there regulations a... is definitely going to make Hollywood better, not yeah, worse. And you saw what um what Congress did, right, about the uh, the debt ceiling? Oh yeah, they increased it. Well, kinda. They were like, we are. We'll come back in two years. In the meantime, yeah. we don't have to do anything about it. it, it... Yeah. Yep. But we do have a lot to talk about today. We but do. before we get into that uh i'm just going to briefly mention the value for value today no smooth transition it's been, <laughs> no, you're good it's been a long week let me just say um but yeah value for value system is a is our business model to where you determine the value our content is worth if you feel you're getting value from our content you can consider becoming a supporter by donating your time talent and treasure Time meaning time and talent meaning any effort you put into developing our platform. It can be like Whoopa Troopa doing the thumbnails for us for that uh 
for that one video, or was it two? Um, so he did the thumbnail. He's done thumbnails for live streams. Yep, and they've been great too. Yes, um, and branding, design, editing, whatever talent you have and time, and you want to commit to us, uh, we will appreciate it. We have also have a producer for this episode, John Burke. Uh, thank you, John, and he donated his treasure. So if you want to donate as well you can go to our direct.me link in the description or at the top of the chat i think it's still in there and there <laughs> what's that i was just checking to see if it was actually there yeah yeah it is i was hoping it was because it's was a, well it's a it's a direct it's a direct link um i think it, it's still the same the right one sorry for interrupting you uh, yeah, no, yeah, you're good, man. Yeah, yeah yeah we're good and if you choose to donate through paypal um, or any other way be sure to include a note if you would like us to read something on our live stream. We will. Remember, donations of $100 or less will automatically become a producer of the corresponding episode. $100 and above, you become an associate executive producer. And $200 and above, you automatically become an executive producer. And you get a credit for this that you we will vouch for that you can put on your resume everywhere that these credits are accepted. So, yeah. Unlike Hillsong Church, uh, <laughs> we do not give you anything extra if you donate $500 or more, $50 or more, $1,000 or more, except for mm. the credits. Yeah, 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 yeah. For now, at least. But you don't get coffee and a date with us. So. Yeah. We'll do that for free. Well, yeah, one day one day we'll do a meetup or something. Um, Well, uh. Before we get into our uh, chosen topics, we gotta. I, I wrote this down because we had to, at, at the very least, mention it. How about that game of the year, Gollum? <laughs> oh, dude, I think we were talking about this sometime in the past year when this was announced. I was like, why would you create a game about a. like, with a character that nobody really wants to play? Like, is there anyone really that's like, I primarily and only want to play as Gollum? I don't mean having him as a character that you play as, right? Like, as a portion of the game, but as the primary function? Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Talk about a snooze fest. And then also all how it's just incomplete. It looks like dirt. It looks like trash. It almost looks as bad as a movie we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, yeah. Um, so this game's been in development for a pretty long time. Not long enough. Uh, 2017 is one of the stories, uh, one of the news articles that I found. So it's been a while. Um, yeah, well, it should have taken a while longer. Also... They, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but they released a, uh, like a statement about the game. And yeah, I did. I put, posted it in the Discord. They put Lord of the Ring in the title. <laughs> um, so I haven't played this. I, uh, I posted it, uh, 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 Mahler playing it in the Discord, like his first thing or whatever. Um, which was far more entertaining than actually trying to play that piece of garbage. Um, it's it doesn't just look bad, right? It it's a broken mess. Um mm. 
functions don't work. Uh, there's like a specific part pretty early on where uh, Gollum, and I saw multiple people have this problem and then watched Mahler live and he had the same issue where it's like, it basically tells you to press, you know, A or whatever to choke and you have to hold it down. And he does that. Well, then Gollum will just randomly let go, even if the button, the button prompt hasn't been let go of, and the orc will automatically like give you the game over or whatever because they like bonk you on the head. Sometimes they pick you up. It just it all looks really bad. It looks looks like assets were just kind of dropped into what I believe is supposed to be Mordor. Uh, and Probably. yeah, hey, it, Zach. yeah, uh, they just kind of dropped stuff around like characters and you know they're just standing there there's like it doesn't feel like a lived in place at all um were you able to get your money back if you paid for this crap um so that depends on how you bought it so steam gives you i oh man somebody in the troll room might remember better than i do i think it's like a certain number of days or up until you've played a certain amount you can still get a refund i just don't remember what the exact numbers are um I mean, that sucks. Uh I yeah, so <laughs> the um yeah, it's just a lot of the stuff like that, like the quests looked really bad. Uh it, it's just like go find these eight things, but you pretty much have to memorize the map because there's not an like an overworld map to the game. And so you just wander around for a long time and you know, this already bland game um it's there's stuff where uh you know like animals are loose and so you have to like try to get them in the pins it just it it just looks like trash and then one of the other things that was really funny about it is like so there's this one cutscene right where i guess there's some bug that's annoying Gollum, and it's like maybe friendly or like it has some it's really hard to it was really hard to tell narratively like what was going on um but the bug like might have been controlled by Gandalf, or it might have just been a, a random bug that Gollum or like Smeagol kind of likes. Well, at one point, you get get a prompt that's like, "Squish bug, leave bug alone" or whatever. And you know, in in games, sometimes when they give you those choices, it uh, events will play out differently. So sometimes it's better right. to to do the good thing or sometimes if you do the bad thing it makes your life a little bit easier uh that's not the case here it's just do you want to squish bug or do you not want to squish bug uh it doesn't <laughs> it has no uh, effect on the game everything still happens the exact same way uh yeah it's it's pretty lame um, what's up with lord of the rings and the tolkien estate just trashing their name with giving out these properties i know i it's don't know really not the tolkien estate developing them but Good night. Uh, yeah. I'm out starting to run the name into the ground. Unfortunately, man. Uh, and honestly, sometimes I feel like that's just the case. You know? Everything has sort of its its like golden era. And right. when that's done, you know, typically it doesn't, doesn't come back. It doesn't mean that you won't get a thing here or there, right? Right. Um... I like, think that's where when, you know, you talk about the golden era, when money starts becoming the factor, right, to where your motivation, your pro again, obviously you're doing these ventures to make money. But when passion isn't intermingled with that, to whatever degree on the spectrum you have that at, 
it isn't going to go well. You're not going to make money. That's why passion has to be before money in order, generally speaking, as a general rule, in order to actually make money. You know, I know it's not the case all the time. I'm sure we could, if I thought about it, there's plenty of video games or even movies and TV shows that had no passion behind it that, you know, probably made a little bit of money, right? Um, yeah, I mean, but, Marvel is a great example of that. Like, I, I, there's probably some passion in there, but I can't imagine a lot of those people are still just, you know, that focused on it. Like, it, it's become sort of like a machine operation. You know, like all the CGs done ahead of time. Um, you know, so and the directors are kind of just there. Uh, like we talked about in the past with like Eternals that mm-hmm. the woman who directed Eternals probably was just there to to be there, you know? Like, I think she right. won Best Picture that year at the Academy Awards, and so when you can put on your big action, epic Marvel movie, uh, directed by Academy Award winning, you know, for Best Picture, people go, oh man, she won a Best Picture, this... Eternals movie is going to be great, right? That's just that's how the marketing side of that works. They, you know, they they know that they might be able to pull that off, but I think the there was so much more going on with Eternals that that Disney didn't really see coming. But all you know who did said. a great job with marketing was the people who marketed that movie yeah. sixty five with Adam Driver. Oh no, <laughs> because that was one of the before I saw the Little Mermaid this weekend. Uh, that was one of the worst movies. That's that was the worst movie I'd seen all year. I think we I talked about it briefly Jeez. on the podcast, but well, I, mean, I remember those dinosaurs outside outside of the T Rex just looking like crap. And the only dinosaur you saw in the marketing was a T Rex. So you're like, oh, this is probably going to be cool. This is in Jurassic Park, and then it's just like all the CGI, set yeah. design, production design, everything's just terrible about it. But so I'll I'll give you one better as far as marketing is concerned. Taylor Swift is a marketing genius. Yeah, she is. So you look at her like demographic and the people that she typically um you know sells product to essentially. Yeah, not like only <laughs> Yeah. Not only um is her the whole thing like surrounding this most recent concert that she went to. Um she really just she knows how to market herself and then through that market the product that she's selling because um, like I heard on New Agenda that there were stories coming out that girls were forgetting like having uh, like Taylor Swift amnesia after the concerts where there were like reports that these girls couldn't remember like what was going on at the concert and so she's drumming up this in my opinion very fake news um, in order to like drive that attention continually towards her, right? And it's always stuff that's like, it's not bad stuff towards her. It's just sort of these weird occurrences where it's like, oh, th- there have been reports that people have had amnesia after going to a concert. I saw one yesterday that was like, like the Pandora depression from uh, yeah, uh huh. And 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 it's all these things that make you go, huh? I wonder, like, not everybody, right? But people are gonna go, oh, I wonder if that's true. Maybe I'll go see her. In, I'll try to go see her in concert next time she does something, or someone starts listening to her music and is like, "Oh, I wonder what that's all about." And then I saw one yesterday or the day before that was ta- that was this story about how, and they made it out as if there were lots and lots of fans doing this, but they were yeah. saying that there were all of these 
people wearing adult diapers to her show so that they wouldn't miss a minute of it. And I'm thinking to myself, because I've been to enough concerts, man. I'm thinking to myself, could you not just wait? You had to put an adult diaper on for a couple hours? Like, I, this isn't the stuff where, you know, like, they, there's... Yeah, well, there's, like, there's reports... This new advertiser. This depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, like, part one of her advertising deals. Uh, it's, like, a secret deal. Um, because it's not the same thing where... I've heard stories of that where people will go see the ball drop in New York City, and they'll do that, which is a little more believable because what they say is that you pretty much can't leave the front of the ball drop once you're there because you'll never get back there if you have to leave. And so people do all sorts of wild things in the front to make sure that they continue to save their spots. Um right. Which is gross, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> it was like, I don't like her fans even more. <laughs> but you cannot deny that whatever she's doing is working. That's true. I mean, that's, you know, uh, Whoopa sent me a message and uh, told me that that's how he gets through our Sounds podcast. Like is he, uh, you know, wears a diaper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't just do that all the time. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, all right. Well, speaking of singing fish, Joseph, oh, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us uh, about your experience? So, just so everybody knows, um, I think Joseph was attempting to uh, gaslight me into watching this. Um, it didn't work because I've said since the beginning I really have no interest in this. Um, that's not true. David uh, has become a big, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, it he's took too to mark long, himself man. as a little as a mermaid. I don't know if you've seen that <laughs> Netflix documentary. <laughs> oh man, there's some legit money to be made in that. By the way, that Netflix documentary mm. on. Uh, mermaids or whatnot they can like five hundred thousand. i'm like kayla we're getting you a mermaid suit and you're gonna start practicing <laughs> i'm like good night who would have thought like just dressing up as a mermaid and acting like one and traveling around touring could make so much money yeah uh, man the, the stuff that people are into and, and we're not talking about like doing it for like little kids you know um but yeah i did try to gaslight you to go see it but yeah, didn't I didn't work. only just watch the new one that came out. I made it a point to watch uh, the old animated movie. Even though I had seen it a lot, I could remember a good bit of it. I was like, I just want to have it fresh on my mind. Dude, there is no comparison. This is one of this is probably the worst movie I had seen all year. And I'm only going to give it the edge because I think 65 movie runtime. I think 65 wasn't as long yeah it was only an hour and a half it felt a lot longer um and the little mermaid was two hours and 13 minutes or 15 minutes or something dude no creativity and when no originality no creativity the cgi was terrible murky terrible acting terrible script the writing is horrific Halle Berry uh, and Melissa McCarthy was were probably the two best parts of it. And Halle Berry's acting is ba- fine. Bailey. Ba- am I saying Berry? Oh, yeah. My yeah. Bad. <laughs> Bailey. 
Halle Bailey's <laughs> acting is fine. It's not like the best, but it's not like the worst. I mean, you could tell that she's new at acting. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's like it's the Little Mermaid. I mean, uh, <laughs> and her singing was good, uh, really, really good. It was great. Who was uh, who did Melissa McCarthy play? Ursula. Oh, okay. And uh, she hit it out of the part. But Javier, what's his last name? Bardem. Yep, he played King Triton, and you could just tell, not just him, but a lot of the other actors and actresses just seemed bored with the script. And even Melissa McCarthy, her performance wasn't amazing. It was very very hit and miss. There's times where it was good, times where it was bad. Um, But Javier just seemed bored the entire time. I mean, really, this they neutered all the men in this. They neutered all the parents in this. Um, You know... Javier was just like a uh, was wood, literally. <laughs> so do you, wood the entire time. Do you think, think about the Eternals, Robert Pattinson, but worse, or not Robert Pattinson, but uh, what's his name? His his first name's Robert, but I think the guy uh, the guy from Game of Thrones. Guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember his last name. Um, do you think that some of the issues that we've been seeing where you would probably describe a performance as either being bored or wooden has to do with the amount of green screen acting that's going yes, on. I was, I was going to mention that his name, by the way, is Richard, excuse me, Richard Madden. Um, and watching, by the way, watching cartel reminded me that, Oh yeah, he is a good actor. It's just, I think it's just the writing coupled with green screen the entire time. I have to imagine that has to be extremely boring because you could tell throughout this entire movie, all they were all, you know, them trying to act like they're underwater the entire time is them just like moving their arms and like, you know, like, like a wave and like trying to move their body like a wave. It's just the live action (laughs) thing. That's pretty funny. the, The live action thing. With some of the Disney movies, I understand how it could be a benefit. Yeah. With this, I do not understand because it's like, oh, we want to make it realistic. So we're going to make it less colorful, darker because the ocean's dark and everything. Yet we're also going to let Scuttle talk underwater. I saw a clip of that. It's like the only (laughs) thing I've seen from it. And we have talking grabs of like, guys, it's the Little Mermaid. You don't have to make it realistic i mean you miss a lot of the emotion in the in their faces because they don't have any eyebrows they can't really express themselves and it's funny because in the opening scene um uh or at least when scuttle comes in scuttle uh eats a fish right in front of flounder and uh ariel and flounder doesn't like run away and yet they're criticizing the humans in the movie for eating fish and it's like well why is that okay? Oh, brother. Um, yeah, just definitely some inconsistencies. In the original movie, you know, she falls in love with Eric and she gets, during the shipwreck, it's a uh, a statue of him that she is admiring and stuff like that. Whereas in uh, this movie, it's just a, a random statue, has nothing to do with him. And so when she kind of gets her sea legs, first off, when she gets her sea legs, she doesn't know how to swim with feet. And in the animated movie, Sebastian and Flounder help her swim up to, you know, uh, 
to get air right to the top of the surface. Yeah. Whereas in this one, she just happens to know how to swim and swims all the way up to the top by herself, like with with no lessing, lesson, nothing like that. So she gets there and they pull a rings of power move. She's swimming by herself. It has to be for like two hours and randomly comes a call across a ship in the middle of the ocean and not even just really even a ship. It's like a little dinghy boat at that. Um, just randomly, just like Galadriel did, except for Galadriel's was actually, yeah, kind of like, you remember the raft that she found those people? Galadriel, when yeah. she was in the sea and she found Halbrand yeah. and all the others, <laughs> yeah. right? But like, kind of that, but with an actual put together uh, boat, not quite a dinghy boat, not quite a ship. Um, and uh, so anyway, she gets to Eric, ends up meeting him. Anyway, she they try to focus so much on Ariel, you know, not needing a man in this uh-huh. that it comes across like she's admiring all her things and that she's only interested in Eric because of all the things that he has. And so she comes across as someone who just, she doesn't really love Eric. She just loves the things that he has and what he can do for her. Um, and, what was the other thing? The music in this outside of uh, Hallie Bailey is terrible, especially. You, you know, that that was the the one thing, like, you know, I don't really care about it, but it was like, she can sing. I was like, good for her. I was like, this probably wasn't the best way to go about. No, she's an amazing singer, yeah. dude. I don't care what anybody says. She, she has some oh, freaking yes. pipes. Now, her acting obviously yeah. needs to be improved on. Yeah. Um, but I could definitely see uh, why oh, she man. got this part. Okay, so uh, I was looking at this because I'm, you know, just always kind of curious about this. So the movie has grossed worldwide as of yesterday, I think, um, 328 million and some ooh, change. So production budget of around 250 million, which to be honest, just seems like the number that we get all the time. I'm not even mm-hmm. sure how, you know, it's the number that we have, it's the number we have to go off of. And if you um you know, I think go you by multiply your that by 3. 2. Yeah. 2. Okay, yeah, so not, no, I've, seen, three. I've seen reports no. that they need to in order to break even they need to make 700 million, 700 to 750 million. <sighs> I mean from all the reports I actually looked into it and researched. I don't know why I spent any time doing that. Right. I, I, it, that may be the case, but the the general rule of thumb was always that you double the budget for yeah. for marketing. Um, maybe they, this was a different case. Um, this says, according to movie web, the film needs to gross approximately 560 million to break even, uh, leaving little possibility for the film to achieve any substantial profit for Disney. So that's, and that's the thing is like, dude, 328 million is nothing to to scoff at if your budget (laughs) wasn't so high and somehow... Dude, I just well, oh, it's, it was going to make money because it's the Little Mermaid it has a built-in IP and fan base, and I figured it was going to make money. And domestically, it's doing pretty well, but internationally, it's doing terrible. And that's where uh, Disney is probably kicking themselves right now because if internationally, if it was performing like some of the past ones, like Aladdin and The Lion King, 
then yeah, it would make more than what the budget is. But um, I think just audiences as a whole are just tired of the, you know, whether if it's purposeful um, agenda. It's purposeful. Don't. <laughs> or, or if it's eternalized or if it's both. It's, you know, obviously it's let's take this Danish. It's It's kind of funny. Comical. Let's take this Danish uh, folklore, right? And let's, you know, race swap so we can, you know, race bait people and take, uh, you know, have some marketing behind that. And yet when they go to, when they, when Ariel gets on land and she goes to the castle and she meets the queen and everyone, all the architecture, the castle, everything is styled like you're in Europe even though it's a Caribbean island. <laughs> and it's like, if at least if you're going to do it, my mindset is this, at least if you're going to do it, make it like African royalty, like get their architecture well, we and knew, stuff like that, like fully commit to it, like you, if you're going to do it. You knew, but, hang on, you knew going in that that wasn't going to be the case because the one oh, thing yeah. that did catch my eye about this was that story from a couple of weeks ago where they were like, meet Ariel sisters, which I have to know about, by the way. It just... It kind of dawned on me that I wanted to make sure I asked you about it. So what was up with that? Yeah, so there's a lot of different changes they made in this. So, yes, she has a a sister from every um, corner of the earth. Yep, same dad. So I imagine that, (laughs) you know. Don't uh, beat around the bush. has multiple (laughs) multiple wives or had, or, or not wives, but baby mamas. Okay. Um, he, uh, he gets around. They should have just introduced like Pant and you see all Ariel's sisters when it opens up and then King Triant comes out and you just hear 50 Cent behind him and it's the song P-I-M-P. Yep, yep. Like a, a classical version of it just to try to hide it a little bit. But So one of the changes they make, first off, the actor who um, plays Sebastian is not a good voice actor at all. Like and it's not just him. A lot of the casting in this was a terrible choice, including Halle Bailey. I would add to, or and I wouldn't say she was a terrible choice, just not the right choice for this role. Um, I could definitely understand on the musical side why she, how she had the merit to play the part. Um, and acting pa- side, I think she passes, but I think you probably could have found a a, a better actor because it just. Her range in the acting just seemed like she either overacted or underacted. Yeah. But you're gonna get that with a new actress. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of money to spend on that being your like star. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with taking risk necessarily on an up and comer. Um, mm-hmm. Right. But. A two hundred and fifty million dollar budget for an unknown who has a good voice seems ridiculous. Um, yeah, you would think, and I don't know. Maybe you think she got paid a lot. You, she probably didn't get paid that. I much. mean, I, I don't know. I mean, she's she probably did all right. I mean, uh, Javier Bardem, Disney used her. M- Melissa McCarthy, bleh, Melissa McCarthy. Well, listen, man. I mean. She, she definitely wasn't getting paid the minimum and like minimum mm-hmm. I, I think minimum in Hollywood is roughly around 40k for a role oh wow so yeah it's for in that world it's kind of, that is not great you know like if you if yeah. you, you try to like gauge all of that 
But when you're talking about sort of from a, like a normal person's perspective, it's not as if she was making $1,000 for the role. Right. Um, but yeah, I, you have the big star power, um, so that contracts obviously play a big role in that. Uh, but I imagine she did all right. Yeah, she probably did. Uh, I don't know if... Uh, I Yeah, you have to imagine that she... Honestly, dude, a million... Oh yeah, something. I, I would probably think, should have just done residuals on it. Yeah, and it it depends, but I, it, with the amount of money that Disney sort of just throws around these days, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, oh, this says there's a story down here that says she made 150 thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, oh no! I'm sorry. That was her hair budget. Either way, that was her hair oh, budget her allegedly. Hair budget. Yeah. No, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if she she made out pretty well on this. Um, let me start here. Let me let me back up some. Yeah. I'm gonna try and go forward like this. All right. I'm gonna talk about the plot. If you've seen the first movie, you know the plot. The only things that they change only serve to make the movie worse. <laughs> so, for example, when the original opens up you learn that Sebastian is a composer, right? So that plays into later on when he's setting everything up for Ariel and Eric to kiss, and so she can break the curse. Like, he, that's where Kiss the Girl comes in, and, and you say, oh, yeah, okay, he has this ability to do this because he's a composer. So they take all that out in this movie, and he's just a king's advisor and just randomly happens to set up you know, all the different animals and, and everything uh, to make the music, right? Uh, to make the song and, you know, to compose everything. And even when he did Under the Sea, it was a worse form of the original. That's what I don't understand. At least if you're going to redo a classic, at least do what Guillermo del Toro did and make it something new. Read the book, pull things from the book that we haven't seen in the original, and maybe do a new style am animation. Maybe don't do live action. Uh, maybe do something like The Last Wish or how Guillermo del Toro did it. Just something did, did new it in and what? creative. What's that? Did, did, what did he do in what? Pinocchio. Sorry. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did. He like, did that's a, great. I don't he know what Pinocchio. he did. <laughs> <laughs> uh and so there's that plot change. And then another plot change was when Ursula was, um, you know, making the deal with Ariel. Uh, she took out that, uh, or she put in her spell that A Ariel was going to forget about the deal. But it didn't really matter because Sebastian just reminded her. So it's kind of like, well, what's the point of that? Why, what does that serve? Why waste time? And then the guy who plays Eric. Uh, was completely neutered throughout. Throughout, obviously, at the end, um, Eric doesn't save her, but sh she saves Eric, of course. Right, right. And right. It, it's like he doesn't have any agency. There's no masculinity in this. Uh, man, I would just say that overall, it's just a boring, boring and pointless movie. Again, like Javier. Whether it's through a lack of how King Triton was written, or if it's through a lack of also him just being bored. He didn't yell at Ariel. He didn't get mad like you see in the animated movie where 
oh, he gets mad, and then you see the regret in his eyes. And you can kind of relate. Never been a parent before, but I can relate to that, right? Like, you get upset at your 16-year-old daughter, and then you blow up, and then you kind of you come back to your senses, right? Yeah, it's drama, man. I mean, I, yeah. yeah. It's an inciting – because if I remember correctly, and I haven't seen the original one in a very, very long time, but it's the inciting incident that, like, makes her run away to Ursula, right? Yeah. Oh, and, and the uh, eels, they took away – their personality they're nothing they're just regular ills ursula <laughs> like there's no personality no creepiness to them nothing um there's just a lot that they chose to do that man this may have been made by ai it's just that <laughs> bad and just a complete waste of money not like john wick four, by the way which i watched this week I had to make up for watching The Little Mermaid. <laughs> well, I'm glad you finally got around to watching it. Yep, and Citadel. I completed Citadel. By the oh, way. that's right. You mentioned that. I still haven't gotten past the first episode. Yeah, I wouldn't waste your time. Um, yeah, you know, it It showed up. Was a thing. Nobody talked about it. I mean, I didn't see anybody. There was no buzz about that show at all. And then it disappeared. Yeah, so no. I meant to say this about I might Eric. finish it eventually if I have. Um, so know. with Eric, where I say that they neutered him is like in the original, Eric saves uh, Ariel, right? Because King Triton's been made into one of those slug monsters or whatever uh, by Ursula. Uh, so that and all that good stuff. Well, in this, King Triton is turned into dust instead of a slug monster. And... um and so when they choose to have Ariel defeat Ursula instead of, instead of Eric, the impetus in the original of King Triton blessing Eric and being like, okay, I've seen how the good in humanity, right? It's part of like the like his arc of coming to have faith restored in humanity, King Triton, as he sees Eric's sacrifice, putting himself on the line to save Ariel, all that good stuff, and that's why he's being it able to send off and marry his daughter whereas in this king triton's dust so he doesn't see jack crap so why would you let him go off with a guy that can't even save your daughter <laughs> it's, i don't know it's just stupid man i don't understand and then of course the uh you know people online um that uh lean they don't just lean they're all the way to the left i've just seen people who uh, on the left, uh, on Twitter and stuff, criticizing Disney for not being woke enough in this movie. And not just them, but other people coming out saying, Great. Yeah, something. I'm like, why do y'all care? Like, it's just it, literally King Triton's daughters and the end of the movie is like what would be, if there was a corporation in The Little Mermaid, they would be the stock photos for DEI. <laughs> you know, the longer this whole like, conversation goes on about woke or uh, whatever the culture war type stuff just surrounding that where it's like there's not a lot of like depth or nuance to the conversation it's literally just mm -hmm. like no it's it's bad because leftism or it's bad because Trump or it's bad because it, it, I just dude I I've gotten to the point where I I wish I could roll my eyes in a more exaggerated way than is physically possible. Yeah, like it, it's just so boring. Like I'm I'm just 
so bored by like with the conversation. The same yeah, it's the same notes. And like I understand they just keep doing it and so it's there. But man, it's boring. Yeah. You know I mean, how many times do we have to say that, you know, if Disney had a and not just Disney, but these uh, these other companies, if they had if they really cared about diversity, they would be bringing original stories to life in television yeah. shows and movies that reflect what they want to see, right? Um, and, and building something from the ground up rather than taking, you know, doing cultural appropriation. If you're someone who the only way you can relate is by seeing yourself on the screen um, and you can't relate beyond that, uh, then I think there's some soul-searching that needs to go on to see, okay, what's going on to where that's the only reason, the only way I can relate to a movie or a TV show is if I see myself in every single oh. you know, movie and film. You know what I mean? You if know, every single movie and film was just, you know, uh, one ethnicity or one race or, or whatnot, then yeah, okay, well then, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, I, I'm tired of the argument. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that last part and too about fake, wanting to and see the fake pandering too. Yeah, it, wanting to see yourself in something because that was something that came up in that Hillsong documentary, and I was like, oh boy! Like by the end of that, and, and we're <laughs> yeah, gonna get dude. into it. By the end of that first episode, I I was like, uh, I was like, I see what you're doing. I was like, and I, it made me think: is was that the whole purpose? Like. All dude, honestly, it's the weirdest thing to me that it's like all roads just lead back to Trump. Yeah. Oh. Where you're like, oh, man, like, they gotta bring it uh, in somehow. Like it was just like, I, you know, I, uh, we need to talk about Dungeons and Dragons before we get into this, but yes, I can't help talk about it because it just it came up in that where it's like, you know, from. It is a very, I I think especially within church, if you are actually truly following what the gospel talks about, mm-hmm. who is in front of you on a regular basis preaching the gospel would not matter to you as long as it was the truth. Mm-hmm. And it would seem that part of, of the downfall of a lot of these mega churches and where they continue to go wrong. And I, it's not that I don't understand the argument to a degree. Um, but it's an issue of, so you bring that to the table. It's like, well, now are people being placed into these positions because they are deserving of them or is this just a course correction and then bringing people in because of that? Like it's, it's, it's very weird where, you know, biblically they talk about it. That it's like once you are following after Christ, like your identity is no longer in the things of the world. Nope. Like that's supposed and who, to, and it gets overlooked all the time or just yep. swept away where it's like, oh, no, no, that's not what that's One talking way, about. That's yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're neither it, Jew nor Gentile yeah. now. You're one race. Stuff, brothers and sisters. Uh, stuff gets hi Sandy. By the way, um, st- stuff is always sort of like placed into, and I'm sure it happened quite a bit in 
that documentary, but there were a lot of things that I had. The I I I don't want to talk about it anymore. We need to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, and then we'll get into that. Yes, but I have to say this. Please be in prayer for Aquafina because that Scuttlebutt song that obviously <laughs> Lin Manuel wrote. I'm Dude, sincerely, what? I am so sorry, Aquafina. I am so sorry you were convinced. And maybe you're like, I know this is bad, but this check is just too good. I understand. Yeah. That's fine. You get a pass. I would have done she it. She probably too. got, yeah, she probably got a pretty nice check. She, she probably did. I just want to say, though, that's the first time in my life I've been to a movie and gotten a headache from a song. Oh. And I'm not being overdramatic. I'm, I mean, I legitimately oh, got a headache from the rap. That yikes. was like you take you take nails on a chartboard and go down. You know how some people that messes with them. That was a terrible, terrible rap. <laughs> um, but that's it. Yeah, let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons because I think I may be yeah. in the minority on this. In the minority of not liking it. Yes. Okay. So where did you where did you fall? Like, are you kind of in the middle, or is it, you know? I think... Like, is it, okay, is it low-end, like, Little Mermaid bad to you, or is it more of, like, Guardians 3 bad to you? Guardians 3 bad. It's not... Okay. I think it's a average to below... It's like a Guardians of the Galaxy wannabe. It's, dude... and I don't. You know I, what I mean. The only That's thing like, I felt like I feel like if you, I, listen, I can understand why people like this, like Dungeons and Dragons. It's just, I, I think for me, it's I'm I've already seen so so many movies that lack tension, lack stakes, and everything's cut by a quirky one liner. And that's fine if somebody else likes that. But for me, it's uh, like I've already seen a hundred Marvel movies. I know. It's very it's very dated. The movie the writing feels really dated. I don't think it's as offensive from a writing standpoint no. as a lot of Marvel stuff. Um there's even a it's really like Shazam. Yeah. Did Shazam. you watch the like, did you watch the new one? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, yeah, it's very it's, like, dude, okay. that's a good Yeah. You you finish those movies and you go yeah, well, I've seen worse, and like, <laughs> I, I think that Shazam is a more poorly written movie than Dungeons and Dragons. Like Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. for the most part, does a very good job of keeping the plot going forward. Mm-hmm. It doesn't meander too much. Like you may not like a lot of what's going on in it, but it does. It's slow, and so was Shazam. But Shazam was all over the place because there were so many different characters and plot points, and they were you know trying to do so much with that uh it was just like did y'all forget about this thing that you set up earlier on and then at the very end of the movie they'll like bring it up at the end just to be like hey we didn't forget and it's just like a one line and then they move on completely from it so it's like eh. um yeah. but the uh yeah there's a, there's like one specific part in dungeons dungeons and dragons where um Michelle Rodriguez is like really upset about what happens with her husband oh, and yeah. um they're on the horse and she's like sad and I was like oh no here it comes I was like they're gonna do he's gonna say some stupid quirky thing that like makes her that she gets like frustrated about and then he rides off haha it was a joke and we move on but to be honest 
I was okay with the way that they handled it because it showed the dynamic in their relationship where she's upset and so he starts playing a song for her or whatever and it 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 doesn't go directly into a joke. Right. And I was like, "Oh." I was like, "All right." Like I cool. It's <laughs> like it's kind of it, like it was nice to see. Theme. Oh yeah. I thought the uh-huh. cemetery theme was pretty funny. I'll, I'll, I'll say this good. about Dungeons and Dragons. I think that there was a lot of really good ideas in a pretty mm-hmm. average movie. But to be honest, that's yeah. how like I guess it's funny because this is I I I think I liked Guardians 3 just a smidge better than this. But that movie again, it does have the um the upper hand of already having characters that I like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like established and there's there's a lot of history there. Um but yeah, I, I thought that like Dungeon- Taser Face. Not Taser Face. Um <laughs> you know. But there's a lot of stuff in this that worked. Um, there's stuff that like doesn't totally work. Like his whole thing about, you know, his like, his like fatherhood relationship. It's like, sometimes it works, but then he makes decisions that sort of seem to, to be a little bit like counter to that. Um, and then I didn't really care for the ending either. Cause there's not, there's the stakes are weird in this, um, where it's like, Everything sort of just like works out for them. Uh, there's a lot of like coin, like uh, those things that just kind of happen to work out for them. It's like, oh no, you know, the bridge that we were supposed to cross has completely crumbled into the lava. Oh, oh well, I guess that we can't do this anymore. And then someone's just like, "What's that in your bag?" <laughs> it's like, oh. or no, she's like, "I'm gonna pull this stuff out of my bag. Maybe this will help." And it just happens to be this. Uh magician you know staff or whatnot and oh he's like, oh we can port from this side to the other yeah. side i uh yeah exactly it's like oh wow that's super convenient and it turns out to be like one of the most important plot elements in the movie <laughs> it's used right. multiple times to solve solve problems and it's just it that's the kind of stuff that feels really lazy to me that's yeah. like man how do we solve this issue and it's like well what if we just had a magic staff that got us to wherever we needed to go and you're like I guess that's one way to do it. Um, and it's unfortunate because the thing that I did like about that is they had like that heist scene where they're trying to put mm-hmm. the, the thing into the carriage rather than out. Um, Matthew mentioned the dragon. Um, I did think the fat dragon was pretty great. Um, yeah. I, I yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of scenes in this that that I liked. I just came away from it being like, I've seen this before. Yeah. And I, I, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Because we talked about, you know, nobody, you know, when we talked about that last year, it wasn't like it was this uh, huge twist at the end or uh, what was it that Game of Thrones always did um, to the audience, subverted expectations or anything like that. Right. It was just a good, tight script. Uh, I, I just think writing-wise is where it fell flat for me. Acting-wise, I thought it was good. I thought there were, were great individual scenes, but... I found yeah. that acting to be pretty stale. Um, you did? Really? Yeah. I it, I don't know if it was on them or if it was it was the script, but like Michelle Rodriguez just kind of fell flat for me most of the time. Um <laughs> I don't know like I don't know if it she's 
never come uh, across to me as a very good actress. Like she's just been in those fast movies for so long. She's played the same like kind of tough lady character. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris Pine was fine, but again, like for a guy that I I thought you know ten years ago had pretty good charisma on screen, just. Uh, it just wasn't there, you know. It felt a little deflated. And then I, I Justice Smith, I've never liked <laughs> everything that dude has been in. Uh, every who, movie, who was he, that guy? Uh, he was the the wizard, like the, the wizard, the oh, yeah, un- underwhelming like wizard guy who gets his stuff back at the end. But dude, he see, so he was in the second Jurassic World movie. He was in Detective Pikachu. Um, I'm trying to remember. I know there's a couple other movies, but stuff that I've seen him in, just. He has this stench around him as far as the movies that he picks where it seems like everything that he winds up in never does very good. Um, Although Detective Pikachu might have made money. I don't I don't quite remember. But like we're not even talking from a money standpoint. Um, He uh, Whoopa, he was the main character in Detective Pikachu, the the guy that like finds Detective Pikachu or whatever. Um. Justice Smith. Yeah, how did you think about his character in this? Ju- uh, the did justice. Like they kind of, yeah, like they kind of uh, made him too weak. No, I mean, I thought he had a fine. I thought his arc. That's the thing is, like, most of the stuff surrounding this movie, I thought was fine. You know, like, <clears throat> there's nothing That's special. The issue is that you just thought it was fine. Yeah, it was just you know, he was not. So maybe he's gotten a little bit better. But I, in the past, I found his acting to just be like, uh, like I, it like painful. Um, oh, sorcerer, sorry, Matthew, not wizard, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really you too know, familiar he, with Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, uh, he wasn't very good at what he did, and it, that was kind of the humor of his character. Um, but you know, he goes through his arc. And you're like, all right, great, congratulations. Like there, there wasn't, there wasn't anything that really endeared me to that character, so that when he does finally succeed, you're like, all about it. And not to mention, you know, he he has that whole arc, and then they all kind of get captured, and the movie resets for the end. You know? Yeah. Uh, just say it was one of those things that it is pretty. Like I said, the the thing the thing that I kept coming back to in my head was this movie's pretty unoffensive. Like there's just yeah, it's it, pretty safe. It, yeah, there there's nothing in it. Safe is a good Trophy. word. Yeah, it just it kind of is. It does some stuff that's good. I, there's a lot of people I think um are or would be very entertained by this movie. Um, and there's stuff that I like in it. I I, I just. None of the characters really struck me, you know. Um, oh, the, uh, oh, you know what it was. I with remember. Bradley Cooper in it. What do you think about that one? Where uh, Michelle, what's her name, Williams, uh, goes to the house to see her husband, <laughs> and uh, Bradley Cooper plays a very, very small person. Um, it was a scene. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't really I know what else to say about Grant it. In this. Huh? I didn't really care for Hugh Grant in this. Yeah, again, man, it just he was charismatic well, bad guy. Yeah. Who 
happens to be able to to lie enough to get what he was trying to do and you know like <clears throat> oh and there was just stuff that bugged me that from a script didn't make sense so uh when they go to see the um the redheaded girl who can transform into creatures and she yeah. she uh asks Chris Pine well what do you bring to this party or whatever and the movie has set him up to be a pretty competent spy slash maybe a bit of a soldier. Like, he's brought in other Red Wizards before. Um, you know, they don't go into a ton of detail, but they they make him out to seem pretty competent and that he was trained pretty well. But then the rest of the movie, he's not really that. Yeah. <clears throat> and even when, you know, they kind of bring up this idea as like, oh, well, maybe he lost his edge or whatever. But it's like, uh, I was like, that that's not really how that works. No, because he was a harper. And yeah, um, how he ended up losing his wife was bringing in a uh, red wizard and stealing the treasure. Taking, yeah, stealing some treasure. Yeah. And, you know, they track all their treasure. So. Um, and even if so. And this is the, the problem, well, right? Like. Much like the IRS does, yeah, he um he has a lot of talent, and what would have been interesting, even if he was he's kind of lost a little bit of his edge, right? But then Michelle Rodriguez's character stops the other girl and like explains who he is, and then that gives her a second thought to be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have underestimated him the way that I did, you know, um, or through actions other things like that but they just kind of like have these moments and then they move on to like the next thing um and and there's not I I don't think the character building is all that great which goes back to why I think maybe some of the acting is affected by that um it's mostly when there's just like certain actions being done or things like that where the movie is a little more interesting um and then yeah the 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 scene in the graveyard I think uh, stood out to me quite a bit. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, it was very interesting to watch them have to go to like each individual grave, and they're getting like pieces of the story as they're going along. And then like Chris Pine is forgetting to Exchange ask it. the last questions to, to yeah. put the guys back uh, back under or whatever. Um, yeah, you know, uh, if you don't have anything better to do and it it's around, like I, you might give it a watch. Um, I I can't say that if someone came up to me and was like, oh, should I rent this for, like, money? That I would say yes. Um, and so maybe that's a bit of a problem, but... Yeah. It's not rememberable. It's very forgettable. Yeah, I don't... That's all I got to say about it, really. I mean, it just... Yeah. It, it wasn't remarkable enough to praise, and it wasn't bad enough to just trash, to spend, like, a ton of time yep. trashing. It just... It's there. It exists. I mean, it's definitely... A, a bit of a breath of fresh air from a lot of the other stuff that we've been getting, um, at least from like the world that it that it's representing. But I don't know. It's it, it was weird too that <clears throat> way better it, than Little Mermaid. Yeah it it was weird to me that it, it's a Star Wars has th- this problem a lot too. Um, it's this crazy magical world, uh, but then everyone in the party ex- and. and understand what I'm saying when I say this. Everyone in the party is basically a human. Basically. 
they spend a majority of their time in human form. And so it's like, you have like cat people and snake people and weird troll looking people and we get humans and a girl with small horns on her head. Right. Yeah. Get sweet tooth. Um, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> eh, okay. Yeah, again, pretty, you know. Pretty all right. <laughs> yeah, I think the world building could have been better too, like the pa- understanding the power structure and the magical system better. Uh, I kind of w- wasn't really sure how the magical system Yeah, they kind of just... Worked. Oh, you know what else I kind of thought was funny? It was the, um, uh, the thing with the Griffin person oh, at the beginning yeah uh, jonathan jonathan <laughs> um I, that, that i, I thought that good. i thought that worked especially pretty well. the payoff at the end. the end yeah i i, I thought that was pretty good that I was mean, a good payoff I, I give them credit on that that yeah. was pretty and, and like they you know because they, they like crash out of the window and the guy's like but um but we uh we relieved your sentence or whatever as he's like trying to escape <laughs> yeah. i was like okay that that's pretty good um but yeah uh, other yeah it, it was it was just kind of all right um cool well let's let's talk about this hill hill song thing so we can wrap this up let's do it um joseph explain to me what made you want to talk about this because you brought this to the table yeah uh, if you would have asked me a couple of weeks ago when I talked about this, or if last Monday if you would ask me this, I probably would have had a lot of a better answer. And so next week I promise to be more prepared because I'd <laughs> watched the first two episodes, not this past Friday, but okay. two or three Fridays before last. Uh, and so then I watched the last. Okay, two what are we what are we talking movies. about again? Before because I'm not the sure. Secrets, if we... The secrets of Hillsong documentary. And it is basically about the scandals that erupted uh, at Hillsong at, across mul- their multi sites. Many, uh, many, many campuses. Yeah, many, many campuses. And it's really just a there's a documentary they released last year. Uh, and I didn't watch that one, but this is just, a, uh, I guess, a continuation of that one. Uh, but our, from. People who have watched that one, I've heard there's really not too much new information they revealed in this one. But, uh, yeah, you want to kind of give an overview of what the first episode was about? Synopsis? Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of a general overview of what happened at the church from its it, it getting planted in New York in 2015 to sort of the big blow up with Carl Lentz, the lead. Okay, it's a little complicated, so I'm gonna say lead pastor because as far as Hillsong U.S. is concerned, he was the lead pastor. Um, and then you also had Brian Houston, who was the founder of the original Hillsong in Australia in the 80s. Yep, uh, 87, Which used to be something like, like that. The Australian Christian Church of Christ and Crustaceans or something. It was a long title. So, yeah. Um, oops. I clicked off of it. Uh-oh. What did I do? Ooh. Hang on. 
Are we still good? I clicked on something and opened up a second live stream. Oh, let me see. That was weird. I think we're good. No. Wait. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear it. Yeah. Everything's still good. okay. All right, cool. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what I clicked on. Um but yeah, uh so it, it's kind of just that the beginning of it to what happens with Carl Lentz and then the end of the episode is Carl sitting down for an interview and basically he's like you know, I wouldn't wish that anyone was sitting in the seat right now. Um now this is honestly man this is tough because I don't trust Vanity Fair FX um yeah. or the writer or, or the report the investigative journalists in this. Um and I say that because clearly a majority of the people who worked on this um have no love for the church no, they have an axe to grind that's yeah. like one of the yeah. through lines it, like you could tell very early on uh that one of the through lines of this documentary it's really less of a attack on uh, you know, brian houston and carl lentz and hillsong were like just made more so talking about them individually Whereas it's more of, you know, using them as an attack on Christianity. As that's one of the through that's, lines. It's not the only one. Yeah. Now that's I don't. What, that's I one don't, of them. It, it. They did. The thing is, what's they seem to kind of try to dance around. I've only watched the first episode, so I don't know if it goes deeper than that. Um. They, they, it, their intentions are clear, but they also seem to try to attempt to be non-biased about that side of it. Um. And the fun, dude. One of the funniest things to me about this, and, and it, 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 there's a lot of really interesting information for about the first half hour of the first episode of that documentary. There's a point in there somewhere around the half hour mark. Maybe it's a little further towards the end um, because it does feel like that first episode spins its wheels a little bit. Like they kind of yeah. just keep going over Dragging some of the on. same stuff. A lot of the people that they that were part of the congregation. There, a lot of them are just saying the same thing in interviews, so you're not, you're not really getting a lot of it. Um, they have like everybody who seems to be pretty disenfranchised. Um, I, I think we'll say disenfranchised with Hillsong because uh, they don't. A lot of them haven't gone further into that. They all get a big spotlight, but then we don't really get to see the other side of it. And when they show the other side, it's just some text on the screen that's saying like. So this person has said this, but we couldn't actually have an interview with them or whatever. So it, it, it's pretty tilted um, in one direction. Um, yeah, and I think on one hand, you know, you definitely see the type of of people they chose to bring on screen, uh, you know, the common threads between them. And... You know, when you're dealing with a topic like this, you, it's important to be gracious and kind because it's one of those things. Well, but still keeping truth at the center, right? It's well, one this of those is things the, you don't know. Thing. Yeah, go ahead. They, the, they don't. The, one of the problems with the documentary yep. is that there is no personal accountability with any of the people that they're interviewing. And, and and yes, they got tricked by 
a very charismatic individual, which we'll get into because I Carl Lentz is someone that I, I find kind of fascinating, um, which is one of the reasons this documentary probably exists. Um, but, you know, if if you're going to a church and, you know, you're going yeah. through all of that and there and, – and this is the thing because I'm not sure – until really close to the end when stuff started blowing up that any of those people thought for a second at least that's the way the documentary comes off to me that they ever thought for a second like is this like correct like is this really what church is what christianity is um it's it's very like and, and i think this is is fair to fair to say um, and it could be just the way that the uh, the documentary sets this up, um, that Hillsong is very cult-like. Yeah. Um, you have the Pentecostal nature of Hillsong. Um, you have Carl Lentz, who is your uh, charismatic leader. And then you have sort of the shadowy, quote-unquote shadowy figure behind Carl Lentz, right? So right. it's hard... I, Vanity Fair wants you to believe that Hillsong is more cult than anything else. But then again, this is the problem when you have stuff like this because I don't know if that's just what they believe about churches in general. Yeah, I think when it comes to Hillsong, uh, there's definitely no bones about you know with what Van with what Vanity Fair did and others. Uh, very much cult-like yeah uh, in a lot of regards i mean you know there's a lot of facts vanity fair presented and that's kind of what i try to piece through is all right what are the facts uh-huh. and you know from there cipher out uh the opinion pieces in regards to right. that and, and does that hold up right is this opinion less of an opinion and more based on the actual truth yeah and i think that you know, there's a point that I can't remember in the first episode. Do they talk about the volunteer hours in the first yeah, episode? Yeah, yeah. Which okay, I so it's it's I, one of those things. Like, <laughs> hey, listen, you and I have learned firsthand on that, right? Yep. Uh, but some of that know, is wild, dude. Some of the hours yeah, that that they were working, yeah, and not like, bro, like you're not being able to pay rent and stuff. Like, dude, at some point you got to take some accountability that and that's exactly that's what i was kind of getting at is it's it's not because you're just off volunteer because you you can say no yeah you can say no and and i understand that it's like at at the you go well maybe and and this is the thing is that what you have to come to the realization of is that when someone is taking advantage of you in that way um if they're trying to emotionally manipulate you or if they're trying to do something that would essentially outcast you from uh, the, the like the I'll say inner circle. It, you know what I mean. It, mm-hmm. If they're trying to outcast you from this thing where you felt that belonging, um, it wasn't real to begin with, and you need to get away from that. Yep, they're just um, using you. Exactly, and that at least from the perspective of the documentary, and I I think there is some truth in that because to lesser yeah, extent, the, the, cr- the criticism a lot of them had was. It was essentially if I was at church, at Hillsong, volunteering, performing right, yeah. then I was loved and cared for. But if I wasn't doing 
doing those things, that became uh-huh. less and less. And it, and it's and, and again, we're only on the first episode, um, but you know, there's a lot of questions that that I I had where it's like, okay, well, were small groups outside of Sunday a thing, dude? How many services did they say they were doing? Wasn't it like thirty five? I can't on remember. A Sunday? I know it was like on a Sunday. It dude, was. It was. I, like, I don't think it was that much. I think it was like. Uh, eleven, twelve. Dude, I, dude, 13, I'm telling. I think it was more. Like I think it was more than that. That's just crazy. Dude. Um, maybe it was a I'm, weekend. It was in a yeah. Maybe they did like Saturday, Sunday. Uh, but I just remember like the number that came up. I was like, that's absurd. That there were yeah. that that many going on because it makes you understand to some degree that it's like these people. A lot of these people were giving up their entire weekend to yep. volunteer. Because typically, and even what, more than that, yeah, like, you talk about also during the week. There's stuff you do to prepare oh, for it, yeah, and everything. So, you know, them working 50, 60 hours isn't something that's, you know, uh, that's like, oh no, yeah. that person's lying. No, that's very. I could definitely understand that. So, you know, and it's part of this comes to. Uh, I heard someone say. Uh, a pastor say one time and I thought was a good point. Um, and that hits me because, you know, with me, the very first churches I started, the very first church I started going to was prosperity gospel centered. The very first people I was listening to were prosperity gospel, uh, centered, uh, most of them, at least not all of them, you know, so like Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer, Paula White, Benny Hinn. When I say I was steeped in it, like the TBN channel, the couch, like I was in the thick of it. But it's one of those things that the more I started to, at at least with my home church and maybe not with everyone on the church channel, but with some, the more I started to spend time with the Lord and and the word, the more I started to see these errors. And then also when I got the cross point and started getting discipled um, by Patrick, I obviously definitely saw it. But the, the point that the pastor brought up was that there's not a like the people who are attending Joel Osteen's church, for example, they're wanting to hear what he has to say. Right. That's what they want. Um, and, you know, to to a degree, Carl, or not to a degree, Carl Lentz is definitely a great orator. But when you, we aren't talking about high-level discernment here. This is kind of basic-level Christian discernment when it comes to Carl Lentz and uh, Hillsong as a whole that for me at least uh, especially with my upbringing I could detect the um, the prosperity gospel centeredness the 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 wolf in sheep's clothing especially as a pastor sure uh, the different things that he affirmed and believed and taught, uh, and then kind of, you start to see these, you know, these, for all we talk about, there's a lot of talk about Christian women modesty, right? Mm -hmm. You see people like, uh, uh, how Carl Lynch used to dress, Uh uh, which at least in the pictures that come out where like the deep V is down to the belly button. Yeah. um, So, and then the pants are like just above where the, uh, uh, the pubic line is and yeah. stuff like that, and you you know, and all that stuff. Like, there's different, there's different 
flags that you see mm-hmm. to where it's like potentially can I a lot of vanity going on so I'm gonna say this because I don't know for certain um and I don't think the documentary maybe they get into it maybe we'll get a little bit more about his backstory or the beginnings um the early days I would like to believe that when the New York campus was originally started, that wasn't the case. It doesn't. Ne- I don't. It doesn't necessarily mean that like Carl Lentz wasn't a sharp dresser. I, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you gotta gotta be clear about a lot of this because they they focus a lot on him. See, I don't know, man. Going I into think... the spiral. Yeah, yeah, they do. And they do. You gotta understand, but... like, you gotta think about it. Like, the dude had a, a massive opportunity presented to him. Mm-hmm. And it's not my style of preaching necessarily, or yours. And you're right, there is that bit of prosperity. But from my experience a lot of those people don't start there. The influence gets to them and that's where they end up. And so I don't know if the documentary meaningly set it up this way or not, but it seems to me that the bigger that Hillsong New York got and the bigger, uh, or and the more famous people started showing up and him going on all of these shows things seemed to water down it seemed like they had their hand on the world yeah and let's, and let's say with specifically with the with and with both campuses um that's when i say both i mean the main one in australia and new york right uh at least with the things that carl lentz affirmed um, and believe theologically that are direct, uh, directly counter against scripture. We're not talking about oh he has a secondary belief here. Right. I'm talking about like you know you can't believe this otherwise you're going to hell. Like when I say a snake oil salesman, and listen, you call yourself a pastor, you're going to be held to a high standard. And the same thing with yeah. his wife and the same like she was called a pastor. Okay. I'm gonna hold you that to that stuff. Standard. That stuff was weird. Um, <laughs> like, that's that's way more common than a lot of people realize. Um, yeah, because it's not like she's just a a pastor's wife that's off the side, right? Right. You know, she's calling herself a pastor. I'm gonna hold you to that. I think it's a lot of. I think in that first episode, you get this sense of okay, they're gonna try and make them out to be the victims, and it's like God, and that Brian Houston's gonna end up being the big. Bro, he's villain. the he's, yeah he's the Darth you know, Vader. three separations from Trump. Yeah, that's the yeah, because again that's where the whole thing ends up is that it, it, and it, it's almost like and this is what I have and we'll see how the other episodes go right but it would seem to me that the whole purpose of this so sorry our na- you can't hear that can you no our neighbors are having sex right now oh no. We can turn up the gain in there, Joseph. Get a little. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, you can just hear it so bad. Go ahead. 
Well, I've lost my But you're saying that he was three degrees away from Trump, and you can tell. And that's just, yeah, that's where the whole thing ends up going, because you get kind of this interesting downfall of a massive... (laughs) Whoopa. You get the downfall of this megachurch, to a degree, because they're still around. Because I was like, man, you know, it's true. It's like, after the Carl Lynn stuff, like, I hadn't heard about Hillsong in a while. They're they're still going. Um, Yeah. But when stuff like that happens, it's devastating, and it devastates people. Yeah. And I think, like, w- when I brought up the villain thing and that they're going to try to make him to be a victim um, and his wife out to be a victim, it's like, guys, there can be multiple villains regarding something. And that's not even to say that Carl Lentz and his wife were not victimized by brian houston well we don't get in some capacity yeah but we don't get any kind of confirmation of any of that stuff um it's just he was this charismatic guy who allowed um racism sexism bigotry and all of these things to enter hillsong it probably yep. had something to do with the big bad behind him uh, who loved Trump. Like, that's, I, I, you know, I'm kind of connecting that pretty quickly through a lot of the stuff that they talked yeah. about. But I, it's hard not to see that that's just and kind of you know where it went, Christians man. Love, love Trump. Yeah, and then, you, you know, know, they, they talk. Oh, and then it was crazy, dude, because you had, there was the one guy who was gay. Guitar player. Oh, okay, yeah. And he went on Survivor. And then it was just weird for me to hear him be like, uh, like talking about like white evangelicals. And I'm like, what does them being white have anything to do with this, man? Yeah, race car was played a lot in this. And this, I do, I, I feel, I feel empathy for him. I in, do. In the yeah. sense of this, because it's like Hillsong was not clear. Granted, it's standard basic how long has this been the theology of the church for since its inception and before right yeah you know all the way back to adam and eve you know you get it leviticus i mean like come on romans i mean come on like if you just read the bible you should know Uh, but at the same time with hillsong not being clear you know and then he you know he's told one thing and then after he goes on this show, this comes out. Right. And it's told another. That's putting through something, like, regardless of what he believes, that's not something he should have gone through. You know what I'm saying? As far yeah. as Hillstone being wishy-washy. Yeah, they should have been clear from, Very clear on the standard. But that, man, and that's why I'm saying is, like, maybe there was a time when Carl Lentz, and I don't know for certain, right? Um, I'm, I'm yeah. to some degree trying to give the guy a little bit of the benefit because a lot of those guys they come up in pretty strong backgrounds and then when they get put out in front of their own congregation and they start becoming popular and they start doing you know uh, the dude from Elevation was the same way Stephen Furtick yeah like that dude came from a pretty strong background I remember going like I saw him one time and like what I don't, do you mean by strong background? Uh, he was from, like he had a he had a lot of like strong influences yeah. prior to 
um, like I would say like sort of his like pastoral upbringing would probably be a good way to put it. Gotcha. Um, a lot of those guys come from those kind of backgrounds where it's like strong, 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 strong. They get put in uh, a like a head leadership position, uh, pastoral or otherwise, and within a couple of years seem to have a massive just blow up. Right. Carl Lentz is, is a big one, but I mean, it's, it, dude, you and I have seen it happen over and over. Well, what was the, yeah, we have. You know what I mean? Well, what was the theme? They were so focused on growth. It uh, wasn't this. They I, I think it was, sel- I would call it selfish. Yep. I don't even know if it's the, the focus on growth as much as it is. Just it selfish. started becoming about them. Yep. And it was instead of making much of Christ, it was more so making much of themselves. Yeah. Through using Christ as the means to get there. And I think, you know, there's a lot of things that it's hard because people don't, you know, having the conversation of finances and material wealth, <laughs> uh, you know, it can get very um, heated. But when you're wearing a, there's a line, right? Does wearing a $4,000 jacket mean you made a simple purchase? No. But in the context of everything else around you, it's like, is that, again, this is where I say the nuance gets lost because then you could, well, what about your purchase? Did you really need that? Spend the $10 at Taco Bell? That's right. You get it. It's it can it's go t- both ways, but it's, it's you have to be to fair because rich. that's not that's not fair. That's not a fair argument, right? Like if if Carl Lentz is wearing, you know, a jacket that costs him four thousand dollars, and then so, like someone is being like, "Oh yeah, well you bought Taco Bell for lunch," it's like, is that the same? Like, are you being are you being like honest in that? But I, I guess like, what you I know mean, what I mean. It, that, it's just that, not the same, man. And that's yeah. That's the problem is that people get into this like this or that thing. And it's like first of all, like Joseph, you're not the the head of Hillsong, right? Like you're right. not the one who's up on stage like going through all of that. Um, and you know you're hungry and you had a little bit of money. It should be okay for you to go get Taco Bell. Taco Bell. You know what right. I mean? Like it's it, it, it's ridiculous. Because this was, dude, honestly, like, this was a problem when we were in college, where it's, like, it felt very granular the way that people would approach the way that other people were living, and you're not just kind of like, dude, who cares if you went to Taco Bell? Like, why is that so important to you, right? Now, if it was one of those things where, like, you were going, and you were neglecting your responsibilities because of something like that, like, there, there's a conversation to be had about that whether you're right. whether you're in church or not it's like but there is something about being held to a higher standard where it's like hey like why have you been you know coming home with taco bell every single night and you can't pay your water bill right you know why and are it, you buying four thousand dollar jackets twenty five hundred dollar watches mm-hmm. all these different things yeah what's like, the, perp- like, me, what's the purpose signals, sure to me it signals in someone's heart like there's a potential that a lot of vanity there yeah you know what i mean it's again wanting to eat and buy food is not the same you know having a nice watch having a nice jacket having a nice car isn't in and of itself sinful um but when the context around it is multiple multiple things 
um, and you're reserving seats for celebrities. You're doing all these. You're you're showing partiality. You're affirming things you shouldn't be affirming. Um, that's where the problem comes in. Th- yeah, that's um, when that's what, when it's like okay, and then it's all these out all all this stuff starts leaking out, and you put the pieces together. Sure, uh, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, here's one for you. So there was a woman in the documentary. Um, this was right after the whole thing happened with where they kind of like revealed that there are people who are either getting paid very like menial wages for being on the, um, the worship team and like writing songs going on tour. They're basically not making, they're making like very, very little money. Um, I think the guy said that it came out to something like $187 a week um, for doing a lot of, you know, for what they were doing. Um, and we're, at this point, you're talking about a church that was roughly making like $100 million a year or something like that. Um, and a big, par- of dollars, yeah, a big of part of that was people who were sacrificing insane amounts of time. Um, to write music for them, to go on tour with them, and they they couldn't meet their needs because of that. So you had that aspect, right? And then there was a woman who confronted the uh, pastoral care pastor, and he basically was like, we're not allowed to give out lump sums, sums of money uh, to the people in need. It's standard, man. I mean, I think yeah. you, you lost, again... It it's made me think of you. I, we don't have to talk about why, but we've had conversations in the past where, like, whether it was you or, like, someone we know, and they attempted to get help, and, you know, it just didn't happen. Don't even get me started on that. I'm just saying. already did. Yeah. I know, it's a good point to talk about where's your priorities. Why is your money wrapped up in a building? Why is your money wrapped up in these things that biblically? Grammys. <laughs> yep yeah, exactly that don't that aren't lasting to the kingdom that that aren't we don't you know what is true religion right yeah. taking care of orphans uh the widow and widows in their affliction right helping like helping your local body of believers right that's who you yeah. help first and then from there you branch out to the world yeah and you see that in acts chapter two where they are giving to as many as had need and so when you are spending Oh my gosh, dude! When I when I heard that, I just <laughs> I might like I'm not it. surprised, but I am surprised because it's just you know churches spend so, there are a lot of churches churches who spend so much time and money on their brand, and it's more about their brand than it is about Jesus. Yeah, and that's what Hillsong is, no doubt dude. about it. Hillsong, Bethel, Elevation Church, mm-hmm. less about Jesus, more about their brand. Man, I. And it's not, you're not and you're not wrong. Um, it their brand was impressive, though. It was. It, I have they, to give hey, them some they, credit, man. Like it's this is not like a, a, a <laughs> necessarily a positive statement towards them, but uh, you know there was a time that 2015, 2016, 2017, like Hillsong was the thing, right? They are probably so. I would say. Hillsong's probably number one, but if we're talking about like influ, like they are one of the most influential megachurches, yeah, that's ever existed. I, they were music, the design of um, the the worship center, or you know whatever. Um, yeah, 
the preaching, um, you know, the planting around, and it's it's. I don't know how you feel about this. Mm-hmm. Does it? Because there's no doubt how much influence that all had. Does it bug you a little bit that even a lot of very like I would say like solid churches kind of followed that method yes okay it did it does now um I mean it's kind of maybe hindsight a little bit yeah hindsight I think you know for one the only reason why Hillsong New York took off the way it did was because of the Hillsong um music Uh, they were really popular well okay so they to be fair that's a primary yes. catalyst and then also coupled with Carl Lentz yes. as well. Because they that's one of the things they talk about in the documentary is that Carl and was it his brother's friend? I don't his friend. It was Brian Houston's uh, okay. son, I think. Um that it's like Carl was essentially your your front man and then uh the other guy was behind the music. And you're right, I think it, it's probably a good 60-40, if I'm being generous, because um, I think Carl clearly had like a massive influence, but the music is the thing that was everywhere. That was oh, yeah. how they, most people knew yep. of Hillsong in some way. Make um, no mistake about it. Carl Lentz is a great orator, but being a great orator doesn't make... You well, it was beyond... And it's, it oh, is okay. easy to have your ears Sorry, I didn't think you were going scratched... That um and but dude it went beyond instead of being, yeah i think it went beyond that and i it's one of the things from the documentary that i thought was really fascinating that i it was more than him being a good orator he had what the kids call today he had riz that <laughs> that dude he had good vibes man dude he there was something about him he knows how to connect with people. Yeah, and so this is why I'm saying that I I really do wonder where down, like, did he, okay, deciding to go to the New York campus, like, was he sincere in his original mission with Hillsong New York? Yeah. What, was it before that that he had had that calling or felt that calling and then through um getting to know uh Brian Houston if that's where you know that turn started I don't I don't know right I I I do want we're going to watch the rest of this documentary cuz I'm I'm curious to see if we get some more information about that backstory um because Carl Lentz's entire sort of arc at least up until the point that that first episode ends, is very reminiscent to me of big characters in the Bible, which ha- now it makes me think twofold. Is the entire thing what in normal kind of world we would call an op, where it's like yep. all of this is manufactured to come off this way? Um, the the rise and drastic fall of a very like almost David esque figure in this massive uh like movement, 
and is there are we going to see because I don't know where because this so the documentary at that first episode basically ends two years ago it was like 2022 when he did that interview I think um and so there's that part of me or is it really real but and now I'm sitting here going "Mm, no maybe it's an op (laughs) just like maybe yeah I think and it's possible (laughs) all of it all the above I mean it's definitely a mix yeah yeah a mix of it all and I don't it's hard because I really you know as we get into episode two um I'll watch it again this week and I'll come better prepared next week uh but I really do want uh Carl Lentz and Laura Lentz and um Brian Houston and Bobby Houston and also the their uh, the people who've been devastated by them, um, you know, who who aren't Christians. I want all of them to truly, you know, either repent and come back to the Lord if they are, or come to the Lord for the first yeah. time. And you know, it's not something with, you know, I, I think I knew in watching episode one that they were going to try and make him out to be a victim. And he is not as much of a victim as, you know, they are portraying and will portray as it goes on. And we'll have to get more in that as the episodes go. Yeah. Which I think it's going to be good for me to get a double watch in there and write (laughs) down my notes and go because I really do... um, want to bring sincerity. I think like with that lady, again, going back to the, you know, she went to ask, Hey, can these guys get some money for rent? Yeah. And it's like, these are people who are part of your, your church. They're on the worship team. Yeah. They're just, they're people who are giving up crazy parts of their lives and, you know, completely getting turned away. I just can't imagine being treated like that. And the taste that's going to leave in your mouth. Yeah. And I would just been like, all right, peace. Well, deuce. you know what's you know what's I'm interesting out. about a lot of this, um, the whole deconstruction movement lines up very, very well with the downfall of Hillsong at the time. Yeah, that twenty eighteen really to twenty twenty two. There's a, there there was a lot of stuff that was going on in those uh, those five or so years, man. Uh, that's a whole conversation to even get into. I right know, uh, but it, it was something that I was kind of thinking about because I, I remember being really fascinated with it at the time um, because Rhett and Link did that. Um, there were a couple people from like relatively popular Christian bands uh, that did that. Um, oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking Yeah, so there was a lot of this happening within that 2017 to 2022 I would say roughly um and I just remember that it was so the whole thing was really really poorly handled and I'll this is the last thing that I'll I'll talk about with this and you know um, I'll let you finish up and we can close out but um a lot of it was really poorly handled because on one hand you had what at least with some of these people who were struggling with this um or decided to deconstruct whatever their reasoning um it felt very sincere from them and then what you were seemingly getting from a lot of the other side 
uh, was just like anger and pointing fingers and yep. there Calling was a, the name. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was going on in there that I I remember being like this like this doesn't seem like the way this should be handled. Why, yeah. why isn't anyone who has some you know pull within you know these bigger churches or whatever asking you know to try to like talk to Rhett and Link even if it's like ultimately fruitless and in the sense that like nothing changes mm-hmm. why wasn't anyone reaching out to them why and if they were if they were why wasn't any anyone talking about being like hey you know we reached out to them and they just were not interested right right um uh, yeah i think I think you hit the nail on the head. Very, with, I was just with people coming yeah. out and just having genuine questions and doubts and just stuff that's weighing on their heart. Um, and instead of making fun of them and being angry, which is a lot of times when people have questions, uh, and not a lot of times, there are times when people have questions uh, to where, regardless of if it's about church or if it's about a job, if it's about just anything, people, there are times where people have a tendency to get angry and upset about it instead of. But- meeting the person where they're at uh, yeah and explaining things and answering and just being there i don't even mean to just be a an answer board yeah but just being there and showing that you care right yeah asking questions trying to get mm-hmm. to, yeah that's all i'm saying it's not like they were trying to to fix them quote unquote um but you know man again all of this stuff happening within this this time period a lot of it I guess shouldn't be that surprising considering the reaction from a lot of these mega churches during Rona. No. And how they kind of fell during that time. Yeah. It's it's more surprising being on this end, end of it. I, I definitely understand how people feel being devastated. I could relate to those who, who felt devastated by what Carl Lentz did. Yeah. Um, in the sense that with people that I know and feeling devastated when certain things happened in my life um, and being like, man, you said you were going to do this. And I haven't even like in a, a week after we met and now I haven't even heard from you in over a year. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, uh, it, it's easy to, to in the, you know, bridging that to the deconstruction, how does deconstruction happen? All right. So first off, what does someone mean by deconstruction? Because it has many definitions depending, or a few definitions depending on depending on how the person is using it. One, it can just be a, a synonym for the word apostasy. Uh, another way to say it, it could be a synonym for just questioning, having some doubts, you know, rethinking things, like growing sure. in your faith and questioning things, right? And so... That's, you know, when a scandal happens like this, that's something that typically f- follows. Um, I know of other scandals in other churches to where it's like, whether it's children or other members, to where people just fall away or go away for a long time. And that's why, you know, we're told over and over again, we look to Christ, not the person. Right. Not the pastor, right? But hey, man, or, listen, it's it's tough like because it's crazy because you had all of that stuff that was going on, right? And then it was yep. like we were talking about last week where it's like the bigger thing was like this thing is happening instead of trying to sort of trust God and confront that 
in spite of what we're being told, we're just going to shutter the church doors for somewhere around a year and y'all can sit on computer screens and talk to each other. And then when we do open, well, when we do open back up, it's going to be limited who can come in and you have to reserve your seat. Yep. You know, and it's like, how many people never came back because of that? Yep. And, and have even more so than that, being told that if you're in vax, you know, be, trying to be con- coerced uh-huh. into loving your neighbor, uh-huh. the Bible being manipulated and used oh, against you. Oh, man, and it was so bl- – like, we've seen that before, right? I mean, it's something that's happened throughout history where people have used Scripture in order to push an agenda, essentially, whether that person who's pushing that is knowingly doing it or not. Um, mm-hmm. But that was some of the most disgusting – stuff that I've seen in a long time yeah, with that. Because I'd always be like, well, why don't you love your neighbor and yeah. fight for their right to not want to, you know, do yeah, this. Yeah. And so I think, it, you know, it's easy again. It's easy for people, especially when safety is concerned, for them to give up um, freedom for security and safety. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where that balance is and where's that line and what does that look like? Uh, and I think in relation to the uh, <laughs> it's sorry, Hillsong documentary with Carl Lentz. Um, and as we'll see as we go on, that thinking that using the Bible, I should say, to manipulate others and to deceive others was a prominent theme of them. Mm-hmm. And it's not just them, man. I mean, that's what I'm saying is it's like it's there's really not a coincidence between the things that were going on with Hillsong and the stuff that we were seeing mm-hmm. on uh, the outside of that. Yeah, you uh, got to be sharp because people falling Matthew away, may, you know, Matthew makes a good point. In World War Two, the Germans had prayers for the soldiers. Yeah. How much, you know, in our country. Right. Uh, when you think about our military, dude, um, I saw something. How long was it for? uh what was recruiting tactics like? If you love God, you'll serve your country. Yep. Dude, I saw something of, today. Even if that means your country is, you know, bombing and killing 1.5 million people in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, I, I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter because those new, um, that, that new Apple VR thing came out and I was like, oh yeah, that thing looks so stupid, dude. It's like $4,000. Yeah. I think it's coming out next year, yeah. but they released the, the it, it's, uh, yeah, it was their keynote or the whatever. Prototype or yeah. whatnot. Um, anyway, we, maybe we'll talk about that next week. That thing looks so stupid. Uh, <laughs> people are like the, some of those, the tech, uh, uh, the tech influencers or or whatever that a lot of them were like, Oh, this thing is amazing. And I'm like, dude, it looks like, come on now. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but yeah, man, there's just no denying the coincidences surrounding, uh, a lot of this stuff. And what's the typical things that bring down men and women? Money, glory, and power. Yeah. Or money, glory, and uh, uh, power is included in glory. And the opposite sex. So, like, you know, guys or girls, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, and that's kind of what what happened here. Um, Along with other things. Mm-hmm. Well... 
uh, we can we can end it there. Um, we're almost at two hours anyway, so. All right. Um, Did the. No, no, they didn't do the hero shot of Carl Lentz in this episode, did they? Uh, I don't, I don't remember. Okay, I think it's in the next episode. I'll watch the next episode okay. this week, and uh, I'll see because I kind of thought it was funny. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough, it is, it's a tough, te- a tough thing to talk about. Um, and it, and it's really unfortunate because, uh, I've seen the there were parts of that documentary that hit a little too close to home yeah and it's probably good to be a little bit uncomfortable about that uh but there were definitely moments where i felt for a lot of the people who were talking about how they brought certain situations to leadership and essentially either got ignored or slowly outcasted uh because of those things um you know I don't want to. I go, can remember. Yeah, I can remember when I was a. Uh, what was I? I was working my job full time. I was doing eighteen hours in the semester, and so clearly, I went did less time at the church, right? Right. And I remember people thinking that I was in sin, just because I wasn't at any as many church functions, and so you can kind of pick up when, like when multiple people are asking you something like that, that, okay, people have been talking about me behind my back. Yeah. Um, so, I just, that kind of yeah. stuff happens, you know? Yeah. Oh, dude, at this point, when people do stuff like that, I'm like, I don't know, you can ask them yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and and that's the thing, is like, I think to a degree, you, you learn over time um, when you've made mistakes or you've handled things poorly. Um. And that that's all part of growth is trying to learn from those experiences. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Um, I, I know Wupa had said earlier on he was like you know uh, he's like turned off by mega churches and um, you know I'm kind of with him on that. Uh, yeah, same. You know, Rona was kind of a crazy time because it made me really reconsider. I'll say the purpose of church and if the way that mega churches have a tendency to handle Sunday morning membership uh, among other things even like uh, like preaching on Sunday morning I could dude I could talk for an hour about how annoyed I am with like modern preaching Um, just like trying to break dude and honestly it's really funny because when we started doing the show and really kind of like digging into the things that people were saying um, and just in general, right? And then talking about the way that, uh, you know, things are scripted or whatever. And, you know, I'm sitting there on like a Sunday morning and I'm like, this dude has been talking about himself for the last 20 minutes, you know? And then like you bring it up to people and they go, they, they almost just like don't want to acknowledge it. Um, there's a lot of that going on and it's healthy that if there's something wrong to be able to confront that yeah and it's really unhealthy that when you attempt to confront that with like church leadership that 
they essentially just ignore you or act like you don't know what you're talking about. Um, yep. And now I'm done. <laughs> thank you guys so much uh for listening to episode 138 of the underground uh we will be back next week with part two of the hillsong documentary i'm going to go see the new spider-verse movie tomorrow um so i'll be talking about that on the, the next episode as well and All i'm right. sure there will be other things to discuss um, yes. you know a lot happens in a week um and so i'm sure that something will uh will pop up that will will just be like well here we go you know maybe we'll get some new lord of the rings news it's always fun um anyway joseph do you have anything else y'all have a good week until next time y'all take it easy see ya all right you already know your boys got to go use the restroom. I know.